these reflections so that it's a reminding us what we're doing people many of you feel aversion to the chanting and because you're not used to it and it and one just sees it in terms of a, a, a reaction to something you maybe not understand or appreciate yet but this is a challenge I mean with traditional forms you you can't just you know where uh, oftentimes we want to make life just convenient and and uh, bend everything to our particular view where when you fit into a tradition you, it reflects that kind of conceit and selfish in selfish concern where you just want life on your own terms because in a tradition you more or less conform to something that that you may not like in, in, in toto. That's good for us when we have to do things that we don't want to do or endure things that we don't see the point of. I mean, sometimes we think life should always be practical and reasonable and only do things that you particularly find reasonable and sensible to do. and. Um, you're not stupid, so you're not going to conform, blindly conform like other people do to stupid traditions that are just bowing and scraping and chanting and, and just a waste of time. I'm going to do the real practice. Is a, that's a kind of conceit. That's, uh, that's conceit. If you can begin to notice this, this conceit we have, I know what's good for you, I know what's good, what's, I, I'm kind of an authority, or I, I know what's reasonable and what's sensible, and this is, this uh, is, isn't. And so, when you listen to it, uh, it's not beautiful, kind of, uh, conceit is not a pleasant or peaceful uh, mental state. Humbling, isn't it? Where we, we, we have humble ourselves. We, we have to get. We we learn that there's suffering up with this conceit because it always uh, it's always destroying life. And so simple things we can't enjoy, or or just uh, the ordinariness of a moment, because we've always got a kind of an agenda going, or a critic, or a viewpoint or an opinion about something that we thrust upon life. remember uh, in uh, years ago in in England the people would say 
I know what the Buddha really taught. He didn't teach the, this, he didn't teach that. And, uh, and then they, they have these strong views of, I know what the Buddha taught, and uh, you're not doing it right. He didn't teach that. What is that? What is that anyway? That kind of mental, that thing that goes on like that. And so you listen and listen to it. This thing that I remember in Thailand, the reaction to the conforming to Vinaya and the ceremonies in the in the Wat Bapo, Ajahn Chah's monastery. I used to sit there fuming sometimes. This is stupid. Why do they have to do this? This is a waste of time. Uh, I don't see the point of this. The Buddha didn't teach that. And, uh, then, you, then you're projecting. They're just doing this. They're just conforming out of ignorance. And they're, they're just keeping rules blindly and. And then you listen, I, I'd listen to myself, and this is a kind of awful thing in me that would bitch all the time and <laughs> complain and, and just look down, I mean, just because I, I found it inconvenient or I couldn't see the point of it, I wanted to just, I had to dismiss it and, and look down on people who, who, uh, who seemed to be enjoying it. So then, contemplating this, I realize this is suffering to have a mind like I can see it be conceited or arrogant, have an arrogant attitude. But it's something arrogance and can see something we need to to uh, to listen to and, and we have metaphor, not to not, not this isn't a trying to intimidate you, but pointing to what we do with our minds uh, and how much suffering we create with this with these kind of views, opinions, positions we take. And the reflection on Sangha is Supatipano, Ujupatipano, Yaya Patipano, Samiji Patipano. Patipano is, uh, is, is uh, Prano practices or doing it. And so they, in Thai they use the word Patipano that comes out Patibat in Thai. They we, we are Bhattibhat monks, we're practicing monks. They say, we practice, and there's a kind of conceit in that too. In Thailand you can, we practice, we don't just read books like those Bariati monks in Bangkok, they just read books. They aren't practicing like we do. <laughs> Uh, 
So conceit comes on all, you know, whenever you, you know, you, we're, uh, whatever we're grasping. <laughs> but Tatipano is a, is, is a practical side, you know, doing it, practice. And Su Tatipano then is, uh, Su is always a positive prefix, like good, like Sumato. Sukato. <laughs> and do sukha is is happiness. Dukkha is suffering. So do is is a kind of negation. And su is always a positive uh, prefix on a, on a word, giving it, boosting it up a bit. Like su meto, meto means uh, wisdom, and then su means good wisdom. And you kind of, kind of, this is not just meto, wisdom, but su meto. <laughs> I think wisdom is always good, but <laughs> <laughs> giving it a, a bit of a, a little more a boost. So Supatipano is the one who practices well, the right way, good way, or doing the good, to do good and refrain from doing bad. This in in a Buddhist cult culture. In Thai, they have nice, succinct ways of saying this. Uh, they, they, they say, do good, you receive good. Do bad, you receive bad. Do good, refrain from doing bad. And this is a kind of hackneyed uh, advice you get. But it's, it's behind that, when it, when, because it's repeatedly said and used, it, we say one gets in a kind of dismissive of it, but it's, it's, there's wisdom there, isn't it? To do good and refrain from doing evil, purify the mind, is the teaching of all the Buddhas. So, do good, practice the good, live in a good way. Uh, so make goodness your active side. Because we, we have bodies, we have speech, we, we have intelligence, we can use it for bad, too. We can use our bodies, our speech, our minds for uh, causing harm, division, pain, misery to ourselves and others. Or we can use it for doing good. And so this is where, you know, we're taking responsibility now. We're not just saying, I'm a helpless victim of circumstances I can't help myself. I do bad because it's your fault or because I'm a victim of life or, you know, it's, it's America's fault or it's my mother and father or we always blame somebody. But this is, a supatipano isn't going around justifying weaknesses and, and uh, blaming others. It's <coughs> 
this determination to do the good. And then refrain from doing bad. So we have bad impulses, but we don't act on them. So when we have an impulse to kill somebody, we don't do it. And that's, that's wisdom, isn't it? We can't always help what we're feeling, but we have a choice in regards to action and speech. Then Ujjupatipano is a directly practices is a, this sense of immediacy, and the Buddhist teaching is is a really Uju teaching, isn't it? It's being aware, being enlightened now. It's not kind of roundabout. This directness you can ever. This is this directness itself, Ujjupatipano. And that's why. You contemplate this idea of I'm going to practice now so that in the future I'll become enlightened. That's not Ujjupatipano, is it? That's, that's, a, that's a delusion of the mind. I'm going to do something now in order to become something in the future. But this is being enlightened now, being mindful now. Awaken, awake now. Uh, tomorrow I'm going to awake. Yeah. Well, that is, doesn't make sense. Is it? Awakeness is is immediate. It's not not uh, when you think I'm going to do it next year. You kind of miss the point of it. And then, yaya patipano, insight. You're looking inward and insight in this this word insight and. Uh, Practices insightfully. It's, uh, it's with the moment, intuitively. And not operating out of uh, out of uh, some of out of plans and and pre- prejudices or preconceptions and views and opinions. It says it's immediate ujo. Yaya Patipano practices insightfully, sensitive to the time, the place. And then Samiji Patipano with integrity. So there's a, one who practices, it, it's, we're, we're taking, we're growing up, we're no longer uh, whining little kiddies that blame everything, life because it hasn't been fair and, and uh, the world because it isn't what we like and, and uh, just complain and, and whine about it. We'll take on life. We, we're not going to, we have integrity, we have guts. We're going to, to look at life directly and honestly. rather than feel sorry for ourselves or blame our misery always on somebody else. (laughs) 
And if they yati tan gidari purisa yukani atta purisa pukala, that is the four pairs, the eight kinds of noble beings. I'm sure that inspires you. What are the four players, the eight kinds of noble beings? <coughs> so this is a, the Arya, Arya Pugala is, Arya is a, means a noble, Pugala is being, so the noble beings are the stream enter, the Sotapanna, the once returner, no returner, and arahant. Well, these are these are uh, the various stages of holiness that we realize. And so there's and so there's the four pairs, the eight kinds. So there's two two two. There's a pair in each of each of the four. So the sotapanna stream enter. There's the there's the uh, what they call the path and the fruit. When you when you see the path, or really know the the path or the way, have insight into the way, and then you practice that, and then you receive the the fruit of that practice, the pala. So then the sakatakami, the once returner, and the, the have you see the, that the the path of the once-returner and then the result of that. And then the anagami is the non-returner. And then the arahant, you see the, the path of the arahant and then they re realize the results. Arahanta manga, arahanta pon pala. So the four pairs Sotapanna, Sakata, Kami, Anakami, Arahant. And so there's eight, eight kinds in. Four times two is what? <laughs> Nine pairs, no. <laughs> eight kinds of noble beings. And so they say, what in the heck is a Sotapanna? a stream enterer. And what in the heck is a once returner, non returner? <laughs> these are these are religious uh, expressions pointing to uh, the, the say the insight into say the, the path or the eightfold path. And so the, this, this path is, you know, through the investigating the noble truths. You have the, the first, second, third noble truths. And the third noble truth is the realization of cessation. And I've been emphasizing that a lot on this retreat, this realization or knowing the ending of things or the emptiness or the 
silence between the words or the uh, because this isn't emphasized very much in, in, in by most teachers I think I don't, no, I don't know all that many teachers but doesn't seem so there's um, And then, then also, it can sound too difficult. Like it's, we can we can exalt this. Like I've heard, uh, I mean, Asian monks uh, say that, of course, there are no no sotapannas, no stream enterers anymore, no arahants left, and uh, and nobody can realize the four noble truths. Where, where do these guys come? like you don't you don't ever attain anything in meditation if you're meditating in the right way you 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 keep letting go of everything relaxing letting go relinquishing so that there's nothing left that's an arahant (laughs) 
Well, what do you think in our army? That's a, a real high attainment. An Arahant, special being. This is a, you know, Ajahn Chah, he an Arahant. Ajahn Man, he was an Arahant. All the Thais believed Ajahn Man was an Arahant. Buddhadatha, was he an Arahant? High attainment. Really, you know. Was the Dalai Lama an Arahant? No, he's Bodhisattva. <laughs> <laughs> Which is the better attainment? Should I chew it? Somebody asked Ajahn Chah that once in England. I'm confused whether I should be an Arahant or a Bodhisattva. <laughs> but this is how the you know these 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 things work on the mind. They're like a, a stream enterer that they have. You you contemplate the, the when when you see the path, then you 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 see through the the doubt and uh, attachment to rules and rites and rituals. And the personality view. So I mean you. This is why we're investigating this personality or our ego and all that. Just so, you know, you're, you're really breaking through the, uh, the tendency. Because if you, if you don't do that, then you can, you can assume that as a person you are a stream enterer or you're not one. Some people, they, they tend to see themselves only negative terms. They say, I've been practicing 20 years now and I'm not even a stream enterer. Because the personality view still, they still have a, you know, they still believe there's somebody who practices, who's practicing meditation as, as, a, as a person. And so this is why, you know, listen to this personality of me and mine and what I think and what I, if you want my opinion and, and uh, my viewpoint and, and my practice and, and, and then also it becomes that I can't do it, I'm not good enough, I've got too many faults. And, and you, that, that which is aware of that personality is your refuge, isn't it? You're not taking refuge in your personality. So your refuge is, is in knowing, in listening, awareness, rather than in some kind of Definition or or uh, identity with with uh, personal qualities, neg positive or negative. So personality view is seen through. And they say attachment to rites and rituals. They say, see, I'm not attached to chanting like some of you are. <laughs> I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> or. <laughs> I must be a sotapanna because I'm not attached at all to rites and rituals. I think, they're, I think it's all a bunch of rubbish. <laughs> or or they, they say, I'm not attached to rules like Ajahn Sumedho is. He's attached to rules. 
keeps all those rules. He's attached. I'm not attached to rules. I can break all the rules. It doesn't bother me. <laughs> and uh, that is personality view, isn't it? I'm not attached. Or so, but this means like the, the superstition or the conceit, uh, because we can be attached to views about that that conventions are a, a bunch of rubbish, and that's that's another convention we, we form, isn't it? A viewpoint. So attachment to views and uh, by conventions, traditions, but it doesn't mean uh, that we uh, reject them, but there's a way of, you know, as I've been saying, conventions, traditions are to, for developing mindfulness, not for uh, increasing attachment. And then Wichikicha doubt, that is why emphasizing the, the way to use doubt rather than just suppressing it, uh, is by using it, that, that questioning, question mark, the non-plussing of the mind, I don't know. You're witnessing, observing, using these things rather than just uh, convincing yourself and, uh, and uh, suppressing or ignoring things. So those three, when you see, when you really break through the uh, attachment to rites and rituals or to views and opinions, the attachment to the personality view and the, and uh, and you're no longer overwhelmed and deluded by the doubting, the doubt, then, uh, then that, then you see clearly the way to practice. The supatipano is very, is very clear, the way, the Eightfold Path is, 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 a, is an obvious thing. And then, then the once returner, we still have, we can see all that, but we still have a lot of lust and anger and conceit and, and uh, other problems, so that these are, these can still be pretty strong. But in the once returner, the Sakatakami, the, the, Lust and, and, and aversion diminish, fade, begin to fade out, so they're not, they're not, they're, they're lessening their pull, their hold on your mind. And then Anakami, non-returner, lust is gone. So now that I'm 60, <laughs> must be an honor car maybe. <laughs> <laughs> or is it just old age? <laughs> <laughs> and then the Arahant is, is free from, from any delusion whatsoever. Uh, conceit or subtle forms of, of conceit still linger in, into the 
non-returner and that's completely relinquished to Naraha. But these are not identifications for persons, for people. You see what they do? They're helpful as criteria for reflection, but but when you start thinking, am I this or am I that, then forget it. Don't 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 bother to think like that. Just it's as helpful references, guide guidelines for reflection rather than uh, personal identi- identification. So you get people going and saying, is, is Ajahn Shah, was he an arahant or was he a stream enterer or a Dakadakami or Arakami and, and uh, the Ajahn Shah, Buddha Dasa, these might never say anything about it. Never heard them make any claim. So then people say they're probably not because they would, but it's not. It doesn't mean anything anymore. If you're breaking through the personality view, then it is meaningless to say I am something or other. It just doesn't, it isn't registered as being a, anything, you know, it's, it, does, it doesn't make sense to you anymore to think of yourself in terms of attainment or being somebody who's, who's got something or attained something. It's more and more the problem dissolves the, the, the desire to attain and identify with stages that desire fades out, it disappears so the problem it just fades out it doesn't it, it's not like it's ever solved it just disappears. <laughs> So that's why the, the spiritual life is humbling. It's, it's not like you, you, you feel, you feel uh, you're not getting anything out of it. You know, we want rewards for all the efforts we put in. But the reward of meditation isn't that you gain, it's that you lose. You relinquish. More and more you find it easy to let go of things. You don't gain anything, or if you do, then you, you're going to lose that too. So it's a different. That's why it goes against the world. The world, worldly values are attainment and gain, acquisition, achievements. I have practiced with these great teachers, and I devote so many hours a day to sitting, and I have. Uh, realize this and I have realized that don't trust any of those kind of people I wouldn't trust them if they talk like that <laughs> so this is a, it's not an attainment thing where the world is you know you, I have a 
bachelor's, I have an MA, a PhD. I don't have to. <laughs> 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 um, but I mean, in Sri Lanka, monks eager to come to England because they all want to go to Oxford, Cambridge. Well, if they can't go to to those really prestigious universities, they'll settle for Birmingham or Manchester, something like that. They want to, they want to, you know, have a PhD. When that that would really set you up in Sri Lanka, PhD from Oxford, and call yourself doctor, Doctor Sumato. <laughs> <laughs> Almost sounds evil, doesn't it? They really think that's a great attainment to get a PhD from Oxford or from any American universities or even Indian ones. <laughs> A PhD, even a, even a kind of one you buy. They're <laughs> able to use the word doctor. And so this is this is like uh, the the whole point of song is lost in that, isn't it? To me, it's, it's uh, meaningless. So the uh, so then the. Uh, because the holy life isn't like that. The worldly life's like that. You know, you can get qualifications and get status and become somebody important and get a Nobel Prize or some prestigious international award and have your name mentioned and who's who and all that. And you, you know, I'm, I'm somebody. But in the, the holy life, it's, it's not that. It's to that you're not becoming somebody, but you're relinquishing personality, uh, greed, hatred, and delusion. There's this, there's this abandoning, letting go, uh, relinquishing, uh, renunciate, renunciate uh, style. So it's a, it's a different. So that's why it's going against all the worldly conditioning of the mind. So this is why you really need to to see and know this sense of me, mine, uh, I want to attain, I can't attain, or have I attained something or not, or or the whole sense of uh, what they call Sakyaditi, or the personality view. And thinking by doing things you're going to attain purity or attain states, like that's, that's uh, Sila Bhattabharamasa, or attachment to rituals, rites, and rules, is thinking by keeping the rules, doing everything, practicing hard, isn't it? Some of you think just sitting for hours on end is going to, you're really going to attain something from it. You're like, you're going to put in these long hours, hard work, so you should get a reward for it. Is Sila Bhattabharamasa. We should be rewarded for hard work. Is a what? The the Protestant work ethic. Very much ingrained in American uh, psyche. We should be rewarded for hard work. It's only fair. 
not there. We work hard and we don't get a reward for it. <laughs> 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 uh, so that's the Silabhattabharamasa, the attachment to rules or opinions. And then, then, the, then doubt, is a, which is kicca, is a really subtle, kind of subtlety that we need to understand the, how that works, the doubt, the, the, that doubting experience of doubt, which of course destroys, uh, I mean, if we're just caught in doubt, we're, we're just always in a state of, you know, irresolution and waffling, uh, insecurity, uh, complaining, uh, uh, just kind of whining about life and and ever feeling, you know, just caught in, in this, this kind of unpleasant uh, feeling or not getting anywhere. So doubt then isn't isn't just to to get to, to answer the questions in but to understand the very nature of it. limitation of language. You have to four pairs, eight kinds of noble beings, and it's uh, these ones are worthy of gifts, worthy of hospitality, worthy of offerings, worthy of respect. They give occasion for an incomparable, incomparable goodness to arise in the world. So this also the, the noble being, this, uh, the, that those humans who relinquish letting go of conceit and letting go of delusion and superstition and letting go and these are these, these are the beings worthy of respect worthy of hospitality worthy of offering they give occasion for incomparable goodness to arise in the world you think it's true you know they just say somebody like Ajahn Chah was a he gave occasion for incomparable goodness to arise in the world. This one little man in northeast Thailand, remote part of Thailand, and uh, yet he is through him that many of us uh, developed or were inspired or you know made our made a firm commitment to the holy life through through his example. They just the wisdom and the compassion of one uh, wise human being. They had a profound effect on many people, even uh, just one little man in the very remote part of China. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, quite, I like to contemplate that. 
or the Buddha himself. You know, we're still talking about the Buddha after 2,500 years. He's still a fascinating figure. People are fascinated by the Buddha all over the world. And he's still inspiring. And, and that this, you know, go to Mother Buddha. Because uh, I found the effect of it very strong to break down the illusions of uh, perceptions of time. We get it that grasping of time, personality, uh, the, the kind of holding to views and, and imposing and projecting views onto life is, of course, the avicca or the delusion. The self uh, as a kind of permanent personality that that you remember. I mean, the ego is a, a, a kind of conditioned into the mind. It's not. It's it's a it's memory. We think of ourselves. This happened to me, and we remember things that happened, and we uh, we hold ourselves as a permanent personality. And of course, as long as that's the refuge, that's a very unstable, frightening refuge to be a personality. Because it's, it's just a, a collection of memories and assumptions and delusions. So it, it, uh, it never, it always leads to a feeling of just uh, anxiety. But time, they, the past is a memory. So I, yesterday, we were sitting here. This time is a memory now. And a memory is, when I contemplate just what a memory is, it doesn't have any real substance. It's a function of the mind, so you, you remember, you have a remember, remember yesterday. But it's very fleeting, ephemeral kind of mental thing. itself, like 60 years now, memory over the past 60 years is like a, a water wave, like a soap bubble, something kind of totally insubstantial and fleeting and unstable, a memory of 60 years of being this in the, uh, this person, in this body. When I contemplate memory, that's, that's the past, in the present. And the reflection is always now, isn't it? It's eternity is now. 
And then the sense of, I was, I was this, I did this, this happened to me. Then relate that to the silence. So that the sense of me as somebody that something has happened to in the past. Somebody with a past, with memories. It's, it's, it's you're relating it to eternity in the present, the silence. And suddenly the, the sense of yourself dissolves. The same, the same kind of anxious self-projecting uh, habit that disappears into the silence. modern life is oftentimes we're, we're always blaming our past or what our parents or what people have done to us in the past as a it's a what they call a society of victims because we feel that because bad things have been done to us in the past that we've been kind of ruined or spoiled either through what somebody has done to us or what we've done to ourselves that's the, that's, the, that's the function of memory, isn't it? So you can assume, I've ruined my life because I did something really stupid in the past, or my life was ruined because I, I was abused, or I was uh, not loved, or I wasn't given a chance in the past. So that, holding to those views, then we become somebody who is a victim, somebody who who always feels uh, threatened and, and like you're kind of permanently ruined or spoiled by things from the past. People that have taken drugs and sometimes worry. They think, if I took a lot of drugs in the past, uh, I, I probably can't ever uh, develop spiritually that kind of fear. Or with, I say, with uh, women who've had abortions, they, they kind of fear of, that's ruined me as a, maybe I'm, that, that having an abortion, I'm, I've been ruined in some way. This kind of, of uh, this is a sense of a self remembering the past, something that, or being sexually abused, or, <clears throat> or this uh, fact, maybe your parents didn't love you very much, or didn't even want you. Maybe you were a, an accident. Or things like this, and then we can we can hold to that, and and then we are uh, in the present always this this very insecure uh, feeling that somehow life is uh, we we've somehow missed out or we've been ruined or spoiled. 
and then it's got a reflection as you're, you're putting it in a context of what it really is. That's memory. Uh, and then from that memory you create yourself as uh, and, it, and you can make a case for it. It may seem like that because the po memory is very convincing and we can, and that sense of anxiety and, and uh, something wrong, that sense that there's something wrong with me uh, is a very again, an ordinary way to feel on, when you're just caught in the, in the perceptions of your mind. That's why I relate that to that which is not self, the silence is not self. The breath isn't self, or the begin to realize the body is not self. The body's not, not me. And staying with the silence, the sound of silence and with the breath is just this attentive listening. And what is that? Ask yourself, what is that that knows this, that's aware of, <clears throat> that can observe or know that I feel insecure as a person, or I feel I've been damaged, or I've been, my life is ruined, or I've made a mess of my life, or whatever. What is, what is it that, not, that, that is aware that, that there's this kind of feeling? And then can uh, listen to the silence and let go of that feeling completely. Because if you sustain attention uh, in the silence, then that feeling goes, that anxiety and, and, uh, and uh, about yourself and all that you know, falls away. Where did it go? But this attention, mindfulness, is it's a constant in your life. You can always be mindful, no matter what's happening. That's why refuge in the Buddha.
So the past is a memory, and the future is the unknown. So contemplate that, not knowing, don't know. That sense of not knowing, I don't know. The future, tomorrow, next year, when I die. Nonplussed, isn't it? What's going to happen when I die? Thinking process packs up. Nonplussed, nonplus. Don't know. <laughs> But there's an awareness of this not knowing, isn't it? Of this nonplussed thinking process. That used to not knowing things, we want to know that we start worrying. The mind goes that say the, the future is filled with worry, isn't it? Or anxiety, or hope, or dread, or anticipation. We create these kind of mental states. Maybe this, maybe that. And so that you know, there's awareness of that, of this is this proliferating tendency to to create these these kind of moods of expecting, dreading, fearing, worrying, anticipating, hoping. But it, that, all that means we don't know. There's are emotions we we create around not knowing things. But there's this constant in this, isn't there? This this knowing the future is the unknown is like this.
so we say now is the knowing the eternity is now the present the eternal present because that's all there ever really is is now but there's still this knowing that is we're reflecting or contemplating and then so that way this, this ability to contemplate reflect and listen watch and say is our refuge a buddha knowing the dhamma this uh, story one time about this woman that uh, was on a meditation retreat and she had a problem with memory from the past because she uh, had uh, her father was had a kind of terrible illness and was in a lot of pain physical pain and he was and so he, uh, he kind of insisted that she help him to uh, die. So she did, she helped him and kind of, you know, did things that would kind of help him to die. Keeping her 
and we kind of, I think he kind of forced her and compelled her to do this. So. But then uh, what this did to her as a memory was that, did she kill her father? The kind of fear of having committed a murder or something like that. Mm. Anyway, she asked the meditation teacher about it, the teacher you know, the worst crime, one of the worst crimes you can ever commit is, is patricide. <laughs> Worse than patricide is killing a Buddha. So the poor lady just is absolutely shattered. <laughs> no hope in it. I mean, that, that's a heavy trip to lay on. Uh, you're a murderer. You killed your father. That's the, that's the heavy, one of the heaviest commas you could ever commit. And so then the, the lady was, you know, just felt totally kind of uh, destroyed and hopeless. You see, that's not reflection, is it? That's not contemplating the way things are. That's grasping ideas and the sense of yourself. Or you read things in the scriptures, like, and, the, and is, you know, that, that you can uh, pick out and uh, way things are said in scripture sometimes come across in very uh, kind of uh, strong ways that we can take in, in person, very personally. And so this reflectiveness is watching that whole thing, how things affect your mind. How you, you know, your worries, your dread, your fear, or what somebody says to you, or somebody reading a book, how do they, you can watch the effect on your mind when you're reflecting. Just to not, 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 not to analyze, but just notice certain words, certain <coughs> things bring up a certain effect where you feel averse, or you feel frightened, or you feel some, something that make you anxious or worried. Which is a, before, I mean last year, the word appeal. The, the, the sound appeal. It had effect on my mind. Why was that? There was anxiety about the future, of having to be a witness at an appeal, chief witness at an appeal. I am the chief witness at this appeal. <laughs> That's really a fraught situation, a whole perception. And if you've got, you know, if you've got a, a you know, a, strong personality, 
that you've never questioned it. You just you just uh, taken over by all your personal fears and memories and that. And and these things are just a you've got to you've got to you're the chief witness. You have to you have to prove this case. And, yeah. The future is the unknown, but the future is frightening. So what before was what just an innocent word it didn't do anything to me. Suddenly, when it applied to my me as a person, uh, and pointing to something that's going to happen in the future, then this is, this is what happens. You know, physically I could feel it. Mentally there was this like a dread, feeling of dread. But there's a knowing of this. Too. This, this which knows is aware. And that's not dreading anything. That awareness, that's clarity, is wisdom. That's your refuge. So that's why your personality. Don't take refuge in being a person or in somebody else. I'm totally dependent on this person for my happiness. You set yourself up for misery.
Now the appeal is, is passed. That was a year and a half ago. To memory. Now what's the effect? We won. There's no pain in the guts. <laughs> a kind of pleasant memory of that appeal because it is. Because <laughs> we won it. And the people that were against it looked foolish and silly in the appeal. They kind of, they can kind of gloat and. <laughs> Now, now the word appeal, I yeah, <laughs> They said I was a good witness. <laughs> so the path is a memory. And that memory, what, it's, just, it's just like a soap bubble. Try to hold on to a memory. See how long you can really hang on to it. And you have to work at it. If you, you have to keep remembering it all the time. and get bored remembering <coughs> the same memory. And yet this, the, the, the attitude that I am this personality, uh, is a memory that, that and we, but yet it, it has a, we, we can make it cover the whole, the, the span of our whole past. Sixty years I've been this person. Sixty-one years. And might even, you know, it was nine months in the womb. What's that? To include that in being my personal development. 62 years. <laughs> that, that's a, that, that's a, what, memory or is it thought? It's a, and we create that in the mind and then relate that to the silence, and to, the, to the being in the present with the breath, the silence. This is this awareness, this attentive awareness, sustained attention, listening. In the future, what's going to happen to me in the future? Don't know. Don't know. <laughs> <laughs> 